Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football preview show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Samuel Rook. It's getting pretty serious in Europe now as both the group stages of the Champions League and the Europa League got underway. But it was all sunshine and roses for the league on side. Was it, was it good enough or were there some troubles? That and more after the latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain put Celtic to the sword on Tuesday evening with the Capital Club winning 5-0 at Celtic Park with goals from each of their three main men, Edinson Cavani, Kylian Mbappe and Neymar. Monaco took a point from RB Leipzig after as they drew 1-1 in Germany. Yuri Tielemans scored his first goal in his first competitive start moments after the host had scored through Emil Forsberg. Excuse me. In the early Europe, Europa League fixtures, Lyon drew in Cyprus against Apollon Limassol, with the home side finding an equaliser in added time after Memphis Depay had given Legon the lead from the spot. Nice managed a strong 5-1 win away from home to Belgian side Zulta Varagem, thanks to a double from Alisson player and goals from Dante and San Maximan and Mario Balotelli, while Marseille managed to squeeze past Turkish side Konyaspor at home, thanks to a headed goal from Adil Rami in the second half. And remember, for all the latest in French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start with that win for PSG in the Champions League, who didn't need too much convincing to walk all over the Scottish champions, really, Adam. Was this a little bit of an easier fixture than we might have expected? Yeah, I think so. Um, given, given, given when you go to Celtic Park, you expect a certain fiery atmosphere and a certain level of, not necessarily, uh, I would say, a certain level of competitiveness, but sort of that sort of, fire and thunder that Celtic often bring to the Champions League and you know they've done very well against bigger sides in in the past with that 60,000 crowd at, at Celtic Park it's a very intimidating place to go but I think these days perhaps I think PSG are perhaps a little a little bit more advanced than they were obviously last season the additions of Mbappe and Neymar really beginning to show on this sort of stage and they didn't look phased at all they're, they're a team that are looking very very confident and like worryingly so for the rest of Europe I think PSG's issue in Europe has been sort of mental frailty before that they've as we've seen they've collapsed obviously at Barcelona very famously last season and even at Manchester City the season before you could argue and even in other occasions as well at Chelsea when they were they were three one up going into the, the second leg at Stamford Bridge and lost two nil that they sort of crumbled and and they need that kind of confidence and that consistency and that that belief in in Europe and they look like a team who thoroughly believed in themselves last night um Neymar and Mbappe Cavani looked unplayable at times at times in the first half when when they were absolutely fantastic um and and they just sort of blew Celtic away there was nothing really they could do about it the 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 atmosphere was sort of dulled quite quickly and I think PSG would be extremely satisfied with what could have been a very very tricky game to come away with a five and a win looking looking very very good um they'll be very very pleased I have to say though that um I was extremely impressed with Adrian Rabiot last night. I know he's a he's not necessarily a player I've been a huge fan of in the past. I think he has a lot. He's, he's sort of had a long way to go, and I, I'm not, a lot of time I'm not sure how he affects the game. But yesterday he was absolutely everywhere, and he absolutely dominated the midfield for for the for the. We well, came off after around an hour, but for that, for that hour he was unbelievably good. 
And um, that's a very, very good point for PSG going forward with the front three playing so well. And then midfield looking equally dominant. Verratti was very good too. And Thiago Mottas had a good spell for the last couple of months. So easier, yes, I think so. But that's down to PSG looking like a team that can genuinely challenge for the Champions League rather than a team that looked like they can be picked off or they could be got at. So I think good result. Obviously, Celtic aren't the strongest of size, but it'd be one that'd be very, very pleased to, to start the campaign off PSG. And they look they look worryingly good. So I have a feeling that um, when Celtic come to come to come to Paris in in a few weeks' time, there may be another another drubbing drubbing uh, to come. But very very good performance. They can be very satisfied with that. Yeah, and the flexibility they have in formations now will be impressive, given that they played quite well with that four three three, and mm. the fact that you feel that Bayern Munich maybe weren't great against uh, Anderlecht, and a trip to Parkhead could be a could be a banana skin for them as well. So Paris yeah. Saint-Germain have to be very, very pleased. Um, after this performance, really, Sam, as Adam's mentioned of a few players really shining, especially those front three. Do you think they look like challenges for the title this season for the maybe the first time? Then we've the, in the past we've maybe been they've maybe been pretenders to that crown. I think it's probably still too early to say that they really are contenders. When you think about who we talk about when we talk about Champions League contenders. I mean, we're looking at this Real Madrid team, three titles in four years. I mean, that's a historic achievement, and, and that team is just getting better. PSG looked very good against a little bit disappointing Celtic side. They have much bigger fixtures to come in this group, the doubleheader against Bayern Munich. That, that will be the real acid test. As you say, Bayern have problems. There's rumbling that the manager, Ancelotti, might leave. Um, it looks a little bit dissatisfaction by and lost in the Bundesliga at the weekend. It's not all quite right there. If PSG can beat them, top this group, even do the double over them, then we, then we can start talking really contenders. I mean, if you can put away a side like Bayern Munich, even one that's not maybe at their best, then you're looking at being a real contender to win the Champions League. Yeah, and especially with that report from earlier this week about Robert Lewandowski talking, bad-mouthing the, uh, the board again, it does put some... Cats amongst the pigeons for the German champions at the moment, at least anyway. Uh, let's head on to Monaco now, who managed to sneak a draw in an entertaining game in Germany, Sam. What do you think to the Monegasque performance, and particularly the switch in formation in this one from Leonardo Jardim? It was a, pro- it was a professional performance. This is uh, perhaps not the, the swashbuckling fun of Monaco in Europe last season, but... We see them coming now. Every team that plays Monaco knows that Monaco are dangerous, powerful. They're an experienced side in Europe now. I mean, they went further than almost any other team last season. So now teams have teams treat them with a lot more respect. They Their first game last season, they shocked Tottenham at Wembley. Nobody, Spurs probably thought, well, a year before, they'd beaten them in the Europa League. They didn't see that team coming. Now teams see Monaco coming, and so to go to what is probably the toughest fixture for Monaco in this group away at Leipzig. There's there's Porto, there's Besiktas. It's tough to say who's the best side in this group, but this is perhaps the toughest fixture to go there, not have a lot of the ball, but still be professional, be very aggressive, do enough, win the ball back, turn it around, move forward and get the goal. Really good to see Tielemans get a goal. It's not the, the headline-grabbing, block-busting long ranger that we sort of have come to associate with him. But it was a very important goal, obviously. Uh, really good to see him playing well. Uh, his first start since the, the Super Cup defeat in July. Um, the shift in formation, as you mentioned, is the flexibility that Jardim has, having brought in so many different players 
last season, they were in a way predictable. You more or less knew the 11, you more or less knew the shape they'd play, and it was just about trying to stop them. Many sides couldn't. Now there's an, an added versatility in that they can shift this three three at the front or three three-man attack. Is, uh, it's something different. It's something we didn't see very often last season. And uh, Leipzig were good enough to adapt to it, but Leipzig were a very good, very good side. They, they pushed Bayern for most of the season last season in Germany. It's a team, it's a young team, but it's a team full of very good players. It's a team not unlike Monaco itself. And it's a very, very professional performance. Had they lost that after the unpleasantness at the weekend against Nice, maybe rumblings might have started about things not all going so well, but this is a very solid performance. Not flashy, not super exciting, but good. A good performance and a good point. Adam, I want to continue on about uh, Tielemans, who was impressive in his debut and played a little bit more advanced than we'd seen him, at least in the Trophy de Champion, where he was part of the two-man midfield. He played more of as a number 10 in this one and, and was sometimes finding himself in front of all the attackers. What did you think to the Belgian performance and, and where Jardim fit him into this team against another exciting attacking counter-attack style of team in uh, Leipzig? Yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting use of, of Tielemans. I think... First of all, I think that they they sort of have been looking to bring Tielemans in for a little while, and this was kind of the opportunity to do so given the performance of the weekend. I feel like Jardim is very, very good at sort of developing his players. He, you know, he really looks to make his players better. And I, I feel like that I was to start with, I was a little bit surprised that Tielemans didn't make the eleven. I thought it was sort of a not necessarily a natural replacement for Bakioka, but he would take the same place in the team. Obviously, Jamati is a, an excellent player. And and deservedly, you know, get, gets into the team too. But I felt like Tielemans could have been used a lot more early in the season. But obviously, I think Jardin wants to sort of bring him in slowly because he's still only 20 years old. Seems feels like he's been talked about for a long time, having been playing for Anderlecht since what 16, perhaps. Um, so I, it was nice to see him getting getting a start. And I think he's a he's probably a different style of player to Bakayoko, and um, which probably necessitates a slight switch in formation, which. For my money, was a good idea from given how they played at the weekend, and that Nice counterattacked extremely well and and picked them off um, with Sidibe and and as as we spoke about on the on the site, perhaps a little bit of fault for for some of the goals and easily sort of got at, which obviously Leipzig with a very sort of quick fluid forward line could could easily do the same to Monaco. So I thought it was a good tactical switch from Jardim and moving moving to that sort of that three man midfield and him playing sort of behind Falcao was a, was a good idea. And I think he's got a skill set to do that. I mean. With Andalette, he played alongside Dan Donker, who was obviously linked heavily with Monaco uh, in the transfer window and obviously didn't move in the end. Fabinho stayed. I think if he'd gone, they might have signed Dan Donker as well. But he he sort of may, perhaps needs a third man in there. He's probably better utilised as part of, as a three-man midfield. Perhaps some, the most sort of forward of those three could also play alongside alongside Fabinho or perhaps even in a sort of a flatter three with Moutinho and that suits Moutinho as well. So although um, although they might not be the the, the sort of squash buckling team that they were last season, I think the introduction of Tielemans sort of, sort of necessitates like that shift to, to a sort of slightly more prude, sort of sort of more prudent outlook from Jardim. They can't go counter-punching teams about Mbappe and Silva as much as they used to. So I think it's a really good use of Tielemans. I think he'll he'll start to play more and he's a very exciting, talented player. As as as, as we mentioned, he, he's capable of capable of fantastic goals and, and capable of really affecting games, and has done for Anzac for, for quite some time. So it'd be interesting if you can take that step up, and it'd be really interesting to see how Jardim goes about sort of introducing him into the team, which I think he'll do slowly, but it'll be interesting and exciting to watch. 
Yeah, and it's great that they can have a little bit more flexibility after, like Sam mentioned, they were maybe a little bit too predictable at times uh, last season. Let's move on to the Europa League that went, took place uh, this evening and, and you were both covering that Marseille game. So I'll start with you, uh, Adam. What did you think to Marseille's per- performance against Konya Sport? It was a bit of a uh, drab affair, is maybe saying nicely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I think saying that it was drab was probably, you know, overdoing it slightly. It was it was a pretty pretty boring, pretty terrible game, to be honest. But I think from Marseille's point of view and, and from Rudy Garcia's point of view, that won't matter at all. After the 6-1 defeat at Monaco, and they were terrible at the weekend against Rennes, lucky to lose 3-1. They could have been 4 or 5 quite easily. But they just needed the win. They just needed three points. Um, making headways in, in Europe is a priority for the clubs this season. And if, they, if this Champions Project, which, by the way, is a name that is asking to be criticised and asking to be taken the out of, um, is to continue, then the, you know they're going to need to sort of start fighting on, on both fronts relatively quickly, given the signings that they've made. So getting out of the Europa League group stages is a minimum ask for me, given the group they've got. You know, they, they should be the superior of Konyaspor and, and Vittorio Gimaraes uh, and Red Bull Salzburg, to be honest, as well, who are, who are, who are a good team. But that you still expect Marseille to be the strongest team in this group. So if they'd lost again today, I feel like Garcia would have been under genuine pressure um, after what two very abject performances and uh, uh, losing at home to, to a team they're expected to, to be in in, the, in what a competition that is relatively important to them um, would have been a disaster. So yes, they were drab, but I feel like Dimitri Payet had, had a good performance. He, he, he's talked this week about sort of, he's, he's seen a little bit frustrated. He's talked about the, the stadium not being full and that's been sort of upsetting him. And he, he sort of, I feel like he wants to take charge and wants to take control. And I think he did that. He hasn't done that much this season at all, to be honest. He was good at the end of last season, but I feel like he sort of he sort of redoubled his efforts today and, and he was much more central attention, got into lots more central positions and, and affected the game a lot more. So that'll be a positive for them. Uh, Florian Tuvan was much better. He's been a bit bit sort of in and out, at, to say the best, to say the least, so far this season. And he was very, very good today. So it's Morgan Sanson in a sort of wider position than he's used to. So I think it, overall, it, there's a lot of positive to take. They got the win, which all that all that mattered really to them. And um, they can hopefully, for, for Rudy Garcia's, for, for Rudy Garcia's sake, put, push on from here. Yeah, and speaking of Payet not being particularly happy that the stadium wasn't very full, Sam, it, it was another strange one with a number of different issues. A lot of fans supposedly did stayed out for the first 10 minutes protesting and reportedly only around about 6,000 in the stadium. It was very empty and there was flares in the uh, in the other end as well behind the, the uh, Turkish goalkeeper in the first half as well. Is there worry that sanctions might come their way for that as well and the fact that they had decent crowds in the... Uh, in the qualifying stages, but it, optimism sort of seeped away with the uh, league and form dipping in the last couple of weeks. I mean, those two performances, as as Adams mentioned, uh, the two league defeats were appalling. the The reactions of the fans were entirely justified. The whistles, the the boos, uh, those those were shockingly bad performances. And you expect Marseille fans to to always sort of turn up because there are just so very many of them. Uh, but if you're going to pick a game to protest, perhaps Konya Sport at home is the one to do it. Um, there were signs criticizing the the regime, criticizing promises not being kept uh, on Sunday evening against Wren. The fans are not happy. Um, Marseille fans are entirely unafraid to make their opinions heard. And justifiably, I think, given they've been sold the perhaps not so aptly named Champions Project, they've been told the target is Champions League football, the target is progress in Europe, the target is not getting 
crushed at home against a fairly middling Ren side. And so it's quite, it's quite reasonable for the fans to, to sort of stay away in the way that they did. I mean, the one thing fans can really do to voice their opinions is to do that, is to stay away. Um, Payet, maybe he's not happy, but I'm not sure what else you expect the fans to do when, when the performances are that bad. Yeah, vote with your feet where you can, fans, and I absolutely don't blame them. We'll we'll briefly touch on the other two games because I know that getting around three games on short notice on a Europa League night can be very difficult. So I'll start with Nice, who got a five-one win, which is which is excellent stuff that builds from that win at the weekend, Adam against Monaco. I mean, they've switched to a four-four-two as well, and and we'll mention it a little bit later, but. Uh, the 5-1 result against Zulta Vargem, they're a half-decent side, but that's a really good start to the Europa League campaign, given that last season it was a bit of a uh, afterthought. Yeah, it's nice to see them taking it a little bit, not necessarily taking it more seriously. I think that still is an element of that, but perhaps prioritising a little bit more is probably a, a kind of way to phrase it. They, Given their sort of league run last year, I definitely feel Lucien Favre didn't, didn't really take it you know, didn't really take it to heart that European football, I guess for the Champions League, that would have been obviously a priority, but it's nice to see, even though they dropped into Europa League, they're, they're prepared to sort of make a run in this competition because they're a side that are very, very capable of going very far in this competition, given the players they've got, the performances, as we saw at the weekend, they're capable of putting in. So it's a really, really good start. They played a, what, a relatively, well, in terms of availability, a full-strength team, pretty much. Perhaps Jalais wouldn't start, perhaps... If, if they were to, if they're going to be first choice, but still a very very good team started in terms of in terms of what Lucien Favre had at his disposal and Zuta Varagam at home, um, with good side they sort of made it an unexpected sort of title challenge in Belgium last year for the first half of the season, end up finishing third or fourth I think because they have a weird playoff system in Belgium, but they're they're a good team and um, uh, Lucas Laraga is coming to Bordeaux from from Zuta Varagam and he's he's looked very very good. Um, for, for for Bordeaux in spells this season, so you know they've got some pedigree. So five one away from home uh, in a, in a sort of a fierce atmosphere is a very very good result. Obviously, so it's an absolute thrashing when you when you see the scoreline. So it's a, it's great to see them taking the Europa League a little bit more seriously. And I think with the four four two, it really does help. Um, Mario Balotelli for a start. He's got a lot more space playing alongside Asan player, who does a lot of his running for him, because um, he's obviously not the most mobile of strikers, and he can get stranded otherwise. Um, and it really utilizes Alan St. Maxim's pace as well. As we saw against Monaco, they counterattacked with to great effect. So it's a really nice switch up in, in formation. It's interesting to see Wesley, where Wesley Schneider fits into that team. Perhaps Lucien Favre wants him to play alongside Seri in the centre midfield, maybe. I don't know. But it'd be interesting to see how, how it evolves. And really good start. Hopefully they can make quarterfinals, maybe. I think they, they, they could push for that far. But it'd be interesting to see it nevertheless. I don't think that's completely out of the question. Uh, Sam, let's talk about Leon and... It must have been a really frustrating one to concede in the final minutes as well. But in a, such a tough group, I know Everton struggled tonight and lost 3-0 to Atalanta. But with that kind of quality in the group, is dropping the three points in the last couple of minutes a real... If they struggle in the next one, they've got, they've got Everton next. If they lose that one, are they maybe slipping in a group that they realistically should be doing better in? Yeah, definitely. Uh Watching the end of that game, watching the way Leon were just sort of playing around, not a care in the world, not really bothered about trying to shut down a crucial three points away from home in Europe, they just didn't seem overly bothered. It was a, it was a kind of an odd just playing it around, not really trying to add to the scoreline, but not really trying to protect the score either. In a way, they kind of deserved to concede that late goal against, honestly, a pretty limited side in Apollon. Uh, they didn't look very flash. 
but they did enough. They kept pushing, and and Leon were just playing about. This is a very costly two points to drop, as you say. At least they're in front of Everton, and goal difference may come into it. And Everton got smashed, so that's even worse. But Atalanta, perfect start for them. They play Apollon next. You assume they'll probably win that one, which makes them pretty close to untouchable. So now there's only one place between Everton and Leon, and those that double header against Everton becomes hugely. Uh, significant to to their hopes of going through. And if they do drop out, they'll be able to say, well, strong group, admittedly. But they'll look back on this opening night of the Europa League and and curse their profligacy. They they were wasteful. They they dropped points they shouldn't have dropped. And I think that'll probably come back to hurt them. Yeah, you cannot excuse... In Europe especially, you cannot excuse a result like that against a team of that kind of quality. No offence to Limassol, credit to them to for sticking around for it, but you have to put teams like that away. In a group that tight with the top three, you need to do better than that. And let's move on to Liga action, at least anyway. We'll start our previews this week with Friday night's encounter between Toulouse and Bordeaux. Adam, the hosts have been pretty indifferent to the start this season, really. What's not clicking so far for Pascal Dupré? It's an interesting. It's interesting that you say that because... I was so I was looking at uh, sort of Toulouse's form today and ahead of tomorrow's game, and I think that on ter- in terms of points, they haven't they, you know they're not perhaps where they would like to be given the signings that they've made. But if you look at their results individually, um, I think taking into account that they're pretty terrible away from home, they've, they have been for quite a long time under Debraz. Pretty much since Debraz arrived, they've been pretty poor away from home, and they've lost well, they lost three two at Monaco and six two at PSG. Both games in which, or right, despite the scoreline at PSG, they were in for for a decent, decent, decent spell of both those games. They took the lead at Monaco, um, and after Verratti got sent off for PSG, they were got it. Julian Teller got it back to three two at one point, and obviously PSG's sort of they over, got overwhelmed a little bit. So those two defeats are understandable to the top two of last season, and um, they've won both the home games so far. Beat Rennes three two, who we who we saw you know what they could do against Marseille last week, although Marseille are pretty poor obviously, uh, and also beat Montpellier at home, which is a, which is a you know winning. Winning against Montpellier, although they're not very good away from home, is still an acceptable result. Trois last week, again away from home, nil-nil draws, not not a disaster. So I think that although they haven't set league on a light by any means, that they're they're very much sort of ticking along fairly fairly nicely. I do agree that there's still some areas to for them to sort of adjust as uh, going forward for the rest of the season. I think Pascal de Paz has got a lot of central midfielders at his disposal these days, and he's sort of trying to figure out whether he uses four four two or four three three. Um, both formations will probably get used quite a lot and have been used quite a lot so far this year, but he's still trying to figure out who fits into that central midfield two or three um, and which one of those two formations is, is, is makes up his best team. So I think looking at their squad, they've got Imbula's come in and obviously that's, you know, given how, how well he did at Marseille in spells and he's obviously been up and down since. It's a very good signing and for a club like Toulouse alongside Alexis Blanc. Yannick, Yannick Karazak is obviously a very experienced league and player, very combative. Uh, is anything Mashash can play there as well? I'm a big fan of Jan Bodega. Ever since he scored that free kick to keep them up at Angers, I think he's a very good player too. And Somalia's played a few games too, so they've got quite a lot of options for what could be a two or a three. And I don't think he's settled on on a on a on a pairing or a trio yet. So I think once he does that, that'll be that'll be important for them in terms of the solidifying of their first eleven. Um, but for me, I think. I'd like to see them go with a two and go with Mbula and possibly Alexi Blah, who I is a player I'm I'm a big fan of. I know the Prazes as well, but he's been struggling with a sort of a long-term heel injury, which perhaps keeps him out of, of playing every game. But with if you keep go for that four four two, you get Toivon in the team who who plays quite well off off the law. Um, and you give, although he's you know barely played so far, you might get a few goals out of Yasunogo. You never know. <laughs> um, so I think 
once he decides on the, on his first choice team that we'll see the best of Toulouse. And I think given the signings they've made, Max Gradle, um, Ibula, as I mentioned, that you know they've got some very very good players, and they could genuinely finish top eight this season if they if they can keep their form together and keep their players fit. So I think Depras still needs to work out what his best team is, but when he does, I think um, there'll be a solid top half table, uh, top half of the table team to lose. Yeah, it's just they've got a good defense. It's just working out, like you say, the the work, the how you fit the pieces together in front of them. Um, mm. Sam, let's talk about Bordeaux, and they were pretty poor in Lille, really, and struggled to break down their opponents despite them seeing them go down to ten men in the first half. Is there worries about their creativity and the the real lack of? real goal-scoring opportunities they created in that one? I think it is a concern. Given we were all getting a little bit excited about about this Bordeaux side, about it, how it all seemed to be looking quite nice, and then they got what arguably should have been a fairly easy three points, as you say, 60-odd minutes against 10 men, against a Lille side who are still very much figuring out exactly what they're trying to do. You would have liked to have seen them take those three points because they were there for the taking, but they didn't do it. The forward line is not firing. Uh, it's still adjusting, given you know they brought in they brought players in. They brought in Depreville, for example, who's yet to really get a chance. But the fact that it's Sankari, the midfielder, who is their top scorer with three goals, five in all competitions, that's not ideal. But the good news is they're still very very hard to beat. They may be frustrated at dropping points. Uh, against Lille, but the fact that they they just don't concede goals. They're 12, 12 league games undefeated. They've only been behind for just over a hundred minutes in the last twelve league games. If you can't get this, if you can't get ahead of this Bordeaux side, they'll win more games than they they lose. Obviously, uh, they dominate the ball. They get the fourth best possession in Ligue 1. They pass the ball well. They don't concede shots on their own goal. They don't shoot as often as they might. They shoot about half as often as PSG do, but PSG are obviously the exception. It is a worry, but they do have the talent and they're still adjusting to. The transfer window just closed for them as well. Much like Toulouse, they are still figuring themselves out. Malcolm's brilliance could be enough to win them, should be enough perhaps to win them games like that Lille game. And so it, it was a disappointment to take only one point from that game, but not a massive one. It's not a crisis, I don't think. No, and it's quite funny to say that Sankari probably had the best opportunity in that one as well. Um, let's get predictions then. Uh, start with you, Adam. What do you think in this one? I think it's, I'm looking forward to this one. I think 2-2. Uh, Sam? I hate to spoil the fun. I think it's going to be a goalless draw. I'm going to go for a sneaky 1-0 to lose win. I think they might nick this one, and Bordeaux might, might wake them up a little bit. They seemed a bit uh, lethargic last week, at least anyway. Um, now to look at two sides that have been in a little bit of bother, at least at the start of the season, Adam. Um, Gangon haven't quite hit the start that they had last year anyway. Um, are they still European contenders under Antoine Kambari? Um I'm I'm not sure. I, I, I personally would probably say not. I know they started last season very well and they were, what, fifth at Christmas? They were doing very well in the first half of the season and ended up finishing 10th. So I think that given that they managed to maintain their very, very good league record after losing Josh Langorvenek to Bordeaux um, in, in signing Anton Kambari, who was obviously a very experienced coach and a very experienced league coach, obviously was at PSG when, when QSI took over. And he's proven that you know he's capable of of, of still managing at, at league on level. And he's had a, he's you know he's been he's been around the block a little bit, but he's still a very good coach. So I think for Gangom overall that 
that a European challenge is probably a little bit high in terms of expectations. I, I would be looking at, you know, top half would be would be excellent, an excellent return on the season. Um, but I, I, I think if they want to stay, take that step forward, it would be very, very difficult. So I don't think they've got the resources to perhaps sign the players to compete with what is now a very clear sort of top six, top seven group of sides, maybe even eight if you include one or two others as well. They've, I don't think they're of that calibre. And if you look at the signings they did make, they signed Raza Kamara, Marcus Turam, who are both, you know, exciting, well, supposedly exciting uh, you know, wingers, but I don't know if they're of the of the calibre that they would expect to really kick on. So, as I, as I mentioned, Gangor, are, are, you know, a, a relatively small club, and to, to be a solid mid-table league inside is, 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 is a great return on, on their resources, if you like. So... I'm not sure that they would necessarily push for a for a for a European place. That would, for me, be overachieving. But I think that that they, that they're still very much in in the top half of the of, of the league, and that they can be they can definitely still look forward to the rest of the season. I think they're still going to be a dangerous proposition, especially at home when when sides come to them from that top six or seven group. So I think not European contenders, but still a, still a very, very effective team under a, a very wily old, <laughs> might be a little bit harsh on, on Kambari, but still a, a very wily coach. So I think, I think they're a team that I like, but I don't think they're going to be pushing for European places, though. And Sam, Lille squeaked past, uh, uh, well, squeaked a point at least anyway, uh, last week, but there's some worries really still. Again, similar to Bordeaux, that are they a little bit weak in that front area with Nicola Pepe as the, the main striker possibly now? And does it also worry you in the fact that Bielsa is still playing some players out of position like Thiago Maia, who was the man sent off, playing pretty much as a left back? Yeah, that was that was notable from the sort of get-go there, that seeing Thiago Maia, who, who seems to be almost, if Bielsa could design a central midfielder to play his football, he would design Thiago Maia to then stick him at left back was surprising uh, given they have uh, Fede Balo on the bench, who's a perfectly adequate left back who will be starting this weekend. Uh, so obviously Bielsa backs him at least to start in this case, strange to not just start him from the start, but it is worrying uh, that they, they just can't, they can't score goals. Uh, they don't really look like scoring goals. Uh, they keep getting themselves into silly situations you know, three substitutions, losing a goalkeeper, then a red card after half an hour of, of football with against a very good side who Bordeaux didn't make them pay, but you'd normally expect them to. They're doing strange things. They're doing silly things. And it's a very, very young side. That's the sort of the one thing we can say in their favour. They're a young side. Most of them don't know each other very well. They're still learning a complex style of football under... Bielsa, who is, as we all know, he's he's a loco for a reason. He's he's a bit he's a bit odd. Uh, he has his way, and uh, these young players will have to learn how to play it. And it would be concerning if not for the fact that the club has put so much of the resources behind Bielsa. There's not really any reason to worry. Uh, if they win this game, they'll be more or less in the top half. They will have sort of set it steadied the ship after some some early real catastrophes i mean the strasbourg result alone was was really worrying uh the border result in comparison less so if they can manage to win this one they're looking up not down things are things are coming together slowly and there's reason for optimism 
some crazy things happening at Lille. I can't believe he played Thiago Meyer at left back at the weekend. And I feel for some listeners, they'll think it's a bit like deja vu. I can remember I was on the preview show last year saying around this time after a couple of games that Lille need a goal scorer. And I was saying, play Nicolas de Preville, and they did, and he scored plenty of goals, and now they've sold him. Story of Lille, it seems like, um, not being able to score goals yet again. Uh, Sam, what's your prediction in this one? Um, I'm going to I'm going to hope for a win for Lille because I want Bielsa to stay. I want him to to really leave his mark on Ligue 1 in the way that he can, in the way that he did with Marseille. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to say two one two one uh, Lille. I think this is the perfect game for Gengomp to find a little bit of a nice little result that pulls them back up to the sort of top half of the table. I'm just going to go with two nil. Uh, Adam, one uh, one for me. I think it's going to be a tight one as well. It might be two lucky goals for me anyway, at least. anyway. Now for two sides that really surprised us last weekend, and that's um, Ren and Nice. And we'll start with Ren, Adam. And uh, what do you think to the signing of Wabi Kazri? Does he just seem to add something extra that they seem to be missing in those first few games of the season? Yeah, I think he did. I mean, Wabi Kazri, obviously, to Premier League fans, um, perhaps isn't the player that... that Lee Gunnabzo is a member at Bordeaux. Um, before moving to Sunderland at Bordeaux, Wabi Kazi was, was one of Ligue sort of best attacking midfielders outside the top two or three teams, definitely. Um, and and he's, he's got a lot of skill. He's got a lot of vision. And on his day, he can be very, very good. Um, he can never be a little bit sort of rash and a little bit sort of, I don't know, not sort of, sort of, not, not sort of cantankerous, but sometimes he can do odd things and, and he, he can be a bit unpredictable. But on his day, he's very, very good. And um, there's a reason that Sonetti, that um, that Sunderland paid such amount of money for him and that um, Bordeaux didn't want to sell him because he, in this league, he's, he's a, he can be a very, very effective player. Obviously, I think he's got a bit of a point to prove. Still only 26. Um, he's still got a lot of his career ahead of him. He's still a talented player. So coming back to Ligon for a season on loan at Rennes, I think he really added that, that degree of unpredictability and that sort of degree of finesse, perhaps, that they don't have in some of their other forwards. They've got a lot of sort of very quick, very direct wingers into Esmail Ashar and um, Fatou Moassa, players like that. But they don't have much sort of guile. And I think Bobby Kavi definitely offers them that. So um, I think that he, his, his sort of development this season, if you like, his sort of bid to sort of return to the, the, the graces of Ligue 1 were, is, is something that's going to be really interesting to watch because... He, he could, he could, you know, really drag them up to, he could sort of drag them to points they might not have got otherwise have had they not signed him. So I think he definitely does add something to the team. I think there's also what I worth a mention here for, for Benjamin Beauregard, who scored a fantastic goal last week. And it's coming from Rennes and, and sort of from some Lons, sorry, uh, in Ligue 2. And it's been, been very, quietly very good for them in, in Ligue 2 over the last couple of years too. So he, he's another player that can perhaps add that a little bit more sort of guile and a little bit more vision to their, to their play, a bit more sort of patience on the ball as well, perhaps. So between the two of them, I think that they've, they've added another dimension to the team that perhaps they didn't have beforehand. And if, if uh, Christian Gorka can get the best out of him, he could, he could be a key player for them this season. So I look forward to hopefully some, some entertainment from Wabi Kazri at least in terms of that fantastic back heel flick he scored. And I seem to remember a, a, a attempted Penenka penalty at Bordeaux that didn't come off at all. So he's capable of both ends of the spectrum. I look forward to seeing them both because he can be a really entertaining player. So um, hopefully for Ren, we'll see more of the good rather than the bad. Yeah, I think for Premier League fans, they have to realise that I, I never think that Sunderland really used Wabi Kazri in the right role. They wanted to play him out wide too mm. often in the traditional British sense of playing as a, a winger to cross the ball in. It, yeah. it really kind of worked really for him. And uh, 
it seems like everything David Moyes touches turns to a not great anyway. It seems to in the moment anyway. <laughs> um, Sam, Nice were excellent against Monaco, really, with more of a 4-4-2, as we briefly touched on earlier. Um, it seems to suit the team more, but I do want to pick out one player in particular that um, I think has been excellent over the last couple of weeks, and that's uh, Alan Saint-Maximin. Um, having moved from Monaco, he's, he's really... We've always seen, thought he's had potential and he's shown a lot of glimpses of it, but glimpses is probably the most we've ever seen. But is he finally starting to find his feet as as a potential, well, maybe might be on the fringes of a French squad, really, but as a real excellent player, at least for this Nice team? I I really hope so. I've been a big fan of, of uh, Sam Maximan for, for a while. I mean, watching him at Bastia last season, obviously he was the only real thing to watch there but god he was fun he just runs at people he takes people on he's he really plays with sort of sort of joy but but not in a wasteful way he he takes people on he he was hitting Eden Hazard at Lille levels of of take-ons and and tricks and skills but with end product as well I mean he only scored three goals last season but he's got three goals already this season he uh he played that brilliant pass against uh against Monaco uh, his former team, no less, the, the defense splitting pass to open the scoring in, in that thrashing. He He's thriving in that sort of slightly withdrawn role. Uh, he's not really playing as a forward. He's playing kind of a hybrid between between wing and forward. I think maybe him, the World Cup is going to come probably too soon for him, but I think he he is definitely of the quality to, quality to play for, for France. And Probably it will it will come too soon, but he he looks very good, and this Nice side are finding their feet, and and he's doing so right alongside the rest of them. Yeah, and it's what's great to see. I think about Sam Maximan is in the past he seemed maybe a little bit cantankerous or a bit annoyed or or frustrated at different places here there when that's been, whether that's been Hanover or Bastia or bits, but he just seems to be enjoying his football again, and that's I think for any young player the most important thing you can really hope for. Um, I think this is going to be a pretty entertaining one, so I'm going to go for three two to Nice. Adam, what do you think in this one? Um, I'm going to go two one Nice. Sam. Uh, I think Nice are just going to roll over them. I think it's going to be 3-0. Okay, and, and we'll move on to our final game that we preview this weekend. It's a real big one, really, on Sunday evening as Paris Saint-Germain will host Lyon, Adam. Is this the biggest test for this new Paris super team against the side that we expect at least to be challenging for the Champions League spots? Yeah, it's definitely their biggest test uh, so far. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much of a test it is though because um it's, it's as much as a test for leon as it is for for psg given that there's been a, obviously there's not been actually that much turnover at psg but you definitely feel like there's a, a very different mindset at the club these days for obvious reasons but leon as well have obviously evolved quite a lot too so it'd be really interesting to see the, the, the sort of the gap uh in quality between the two sides um although the only thing is that what these games at home PSG, even against the other bigger teams, not last season, but previously when Ibrahimovic was in the team, they had that talisman, which they've obviously got now in Neymar, but they still managed to, to win these games quite comfortably. And they've looked a little bit more like the, at least in Liga, it's very early days, of course, but it, nevertheless, they've looked a bit more like that team that Ibrahimovic led in Liga with, with that player that they know can win them the game if, if, if needed. And I, I still, I kind of fearfully on here a little bit. 
Um, although it is de- they're definitely the toughest opponent that PSG would have faced, and obviously we're only what six or seven games in. I still I can see PSG completely blowing them away once more. So it'd be really interesting to see in two two things of in terms of formation, whether um, um, Mbappe plays on the wing like he did against Celtic, uh, or whether they'll return to that that sort of two man attack that they had uh, at, at Mets um uh, last weekend so it would be especially at home you would fancy PSG perhaps go a bit a little bit more attacking I think that's Emery's plan for for sort of league games especially especially at home and perhaps against weaker sides away from home so if that kind of comes off like it did against Mets in spells they weren't they're a little bit shaky but if 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 it does work for them then I can see PSG winning this game by a by not a cricket score but I can see them giving giving Leon a bit of a lesson but It'd be interesting to see how big or, you know, even if there is a gap, but it'd be interesting to see how big that gap is to Leon for both teams. So uh, an interesting game on, on Sunday night and one I'm very much uh, uh, looking forward to. Yeah, and Sam, as for Leon, they made hard work of the get- win at Gangomp and obviously they, they really threw something away th- last night, which is a little bit of a worry for facing a team like PSG on Sunday. But facing a team like that, should they drop one of those attacking quartet that they have for a more solid foundation in midfield to sort of give them a bit of a better shield against such a strong attacking team? I think that that is a sort of seductive option to to try and, and strengthen against this obviously overwhelming juggernaut of a PSG side, but I think it would be a mistake. I think the only way you get anything really out of a PSG game this season, certainly in in Ligue 1 is is to go at them is to try and try and score goals because their weakness still is the back line it still is the goalkeeper the weakness is not the attack if you try and go def- there are better defensive sides than Lyon uh, Saint-Étienne for one who tried that and it doesn't work because they just have so much talent they will find a way through they'll dominate the ball Neymar and Mbappe I mean it, it's just a ridiculous list of attacking riches but the defensive side of the t- of the team hasn't been upgraded. They still have flaws. Those flaws can be exploited. Leon, only real hope I think of getting something out of this game is to go at them. Is to is to try and fight fire with fire, as it were. Leon's attack isn't PSG's attack, obviously, but they've got talent. They've got players who can make things happen, and that's probably it. Might seem the aggressive way to do it, but. Leon don't Leon aren't a, aren't a really good defensive side. They're not drilled in playing that sort of football. And and to try and pivot three days after this this frustrating result in Europe to something that you would need to have coached sort of all summer to to prepare for, I, I just don't see that working. And and I see that as inviting on the cricket score that Adam mentioned. Yeah. So let's finish with our predictions for this one, Adam. What what do you think is going to happen? Four 0 PSG, I think. I'm going to go a bit more conservative and say 2-1. I, I think I might give them a little bit more than they bargained for. Uh, still PSG winning, obviously. Uh, Sam? I think PSG will do what they've done in basically every game, which is almost toy, toy with a side and then pull away at the end. So I'll go 5-2. Mm. <laughs> High scoring at least, so do tune in on Sunday, whatever you do. Uh, that's all for this week. My thanks to Adam, Sam and all of you listening at home. Join us for the main show on Monday. But for now... Enjoy the weekend of football ahead.